Welcome to the lab. What's going on, all you brainiacs out there, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Fantasy Football Laboratory. I am joined today not by the chemist Jack McGrath, not even by the king of trade Shane Palma, or else he would be doing this intro, but once again by the former champion Eli Hoff. Eli, how are you doing today, dog? It's a pleasure to be back, and it's a pleasure to remain. As always, the former now champion. and forever, the former champion. The former champion. You know, I'm a former champion of this same league. I just want you to know that, too. And you you handed off that title with grace and compassion. Absolutely, because that's, that's what I am. I am graceful and very compassionate. It's what everybody says about me. Shane and Jack decided rudely that they did not want to be on this podcast. No, Shane is back home in New York, or at least heading there. And Jack is doing other stuff that I don't totally know. Um, but so I have Eli, I guess, which is okay. It's a good fourth option. Everyone's fourth choice. Yeah, that's yeah. actually call me, that, call me Robbie Anderson on the Cardinals. <laughs> well, today we are not going to do our usual format, which is to talk through all of the games of the week that are upcoming and happening. We never have enough time to hit all of them. Anyways, we're going to take a much more specific approach at certain players to talk about which players we like for the rest of the season and for the fantasy playoffs. And you may be saying, Lucas, come on, we're at week eight. It's too early to talk about the fantasy playoffs. It's not because if you're competing in the fantasy playoffs at this point, you know, if your team is a contender or not, right? You can probably still salvage a team to like a a team that's not going to make the playoffs to make a, a, a lower seed in the playoffs. But chances are, if you're not a contender right now, you will not be a contender come uh, now I would say January, but it's really more come December. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess more, de- yeah, December, come December. So we are going to talk about players that we like going forward and players we dislike. And so a lot of the players on that dislike category are going to be guys that we're looking to sell right now. And to use a lot of this, the stats that we're using today come from this wonderful website that I found, fulltimefantasy.com. They have this phenomenal resource that shows the, the that shows the aggregate matchups for the rest of the season for every single position and where it ranks. So we'll talk quite a bit about that. Eli, do you want to kick us off with the first player? Pick any one. We have a whole list in front of yeah, us. Yeah, you know, well, I'll, I'll pick off. I'll pick up. I'll, I'll start us off with with my hottest take because Your I think we should take. start off with the hottest take. There we go. I, I am Spitfire, so you, you are Spitfire, and I'm going to spit some fire here. That's I'm gonna, right. I, much like I stole your fantasy football title, I'm going to steal whoa, your podcast nickname too, right because I am labeling a player as a super duper buy low candidate. Right, the upside here from a strength of schedule standpoint could actually be tremendous. True. Right. There are probably a lot of players who you're thinking about. I guarantee you're not thinking about the player I'm thinking I'm about. thinking about the player you're thinking well, about. Well, you're looking at the same. That's the true. Same I am, that I am looking at the same list. The player I'm thinking of plays on the Denver Broncos. Oh. I love Melvin Gordon. You it's do. not Melvin Gordon. It, very much not Melvin it's Gordon. It's the man who sometimes, when he makes the right decision, throws the ball to Melvin Gordon. It's Russell Wilson. That's right. It's a super duper by low candidate. His strength of schedule is unbelievable. No quarterback has a better strength of schedule rest of season. It's his is number one for quarterbacks rest of season. Yeah. Fantasy playoff schedule, number three, third yeah. easiest in the league. Exactly. And, and as someone who is a Russell Wilson owner in some leagues, and I know you are too. I am as well. 
we've been burned. We have. We are. I, if somebody gave me a semi decent offer for Russell Wilson, I'm taking it yep. right now. So if you are someone, what's a, what's a semi decent offer for Russell Wilson? What are, I, what, I what are you thinking? Depends. Like, are you thinking? Are, are you're you're not thinking even wide receiver three, right? No, no fr- frankly, I'd, I'd say like someone who I would feel comfortable putting in a flex position. If I have another good, if I have Russell Wilson and another fine QB option, and I get an offer for a flex level player, Curtis Samuel, I take that. I would do that. I yep. really would as a Russell. Would owner. you? But if you weren't a Russ owner, would you trade Curtis Samuel? That's that's what I'm saying. And that's There's a, a legitimate case to be here. If you're someone who has watched the Denver Broncos, we've all seen way too much of the Denver Broncos so much. far this season. Yep. If you've watched that and you see reason for hope with Russ, just even a little bit, right? And, and you're someone who maybe has a little bit deeper team. Maybe you've got a couple extra wide receivers. You know that you you know you're you're comfortably four or five deep at wide receiver, right? You might look at Russell Wilson and go out and get him. He can be your backup quarterback for now, and you can look at the strength of schedule and bank on the upside. That that's. A, I think there's a legitimate case for it when you look at how soft this schedule is on the Broncos. If if Russ has it in his in his bag to turn this season around, like we know he's he gonna have to we know it. he does theoretically. He, yes, we've he seen it many does. times. No, absolutely. absolutely. But we spent enough time talking about Russell Wilson. Yeah, that's way too much time. It's, I it's Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to pick the next guy, and he's going to fall in a very similar that. camp to Russell Wilson as a guy who has been very largely considered a bust this season. DJ Moore. DJ Moore's strength of schedule going forward, rest of season is fourth easiest for wide receivers, and playoff schedule is 11th easiest for wide receivers, so a little bit better than average, but the important piece is his playoff schedule, his quarterback schedule, strength of schedule, is fourth easiest. And so when you're looking at wide receivers, you also have to look at quarterback strength of schedule, because you have some quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, doesn't matter what the quarterback, what what the defense against them is, they're going to produce. But then you have situations like, you know, Baker Mayfield, PJ Walker, Sam Darnold there, whichever one of those starts. And it very much matters very strongly what that that defensive line is going to do for them. So when you look at DJ Moore and you see that in the playoffs, his quarterback has the fourth easiest schedule and the rest of season, DJ Moore has the fourth easiest schedule for wide receivers. He's a guy who was drafted in the third round for a reason. And the target share has never been a question. First three games, he only had six targets apiece, which I will say was a little bit concerning. But ever since then, he hasn't had less than seven in a game. Two of the last four games, double-digit targets. You can't ask for much more than that from DJ Moore. And without how easy his schedule is going forward, heck, he has Atlanta two times in the next three weeks. DJ Moore is a guy that I'm going after and buying because you can buy. I mean, just like Russell Wilson, DJ Moore owners have been burned. And there is absolutely an element of, I don't want this guy's stupid face on my team anymore. That's what's going on in their minds oftentimes. You can probably get DJ Moore for something less than what he is going to end up being rest of the season. No, I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think that the Panthers are a team here that we're, we're going to see some evolution from them, for better or for worse, mm-hmm. without Christian McCaffrey here, right? That's fair. So again, it's a situation. One game in and it's been for better. Exactly. And, and you look at it and, and if More you're someone who's looking for a reason to find upside, you can you can look for upside in, in guys like Russell Wilson and DJ Moore who have burned folks but also have some of that the, potential. And these are, pro- these are, so there are two two categories of teams that are really wanting to target this. Teams where your, your team's not in a good spot, you know, what you have isn't working, so you might as well take some risks. Or a team that is really winning, if you can get good deals on them, it could be a potential possibility to put your team over the top and take you that championship. If you're somewhere in the middle, those are two guys you're probably not targeting because they're a little bit riskier 
you're looking for something a little bit safer um, when it comes to keeping your team where it is. Exactly. Exactly. It's all about, again, it's it, it's all about upside, right? Yep. If, you, if you're at the bottom there, you need a guy who could carry you into the playoffs, right? One of these guys could theoretically do yeah, it. They could. If you're already at know contender the status. There. Exactly. If you're already at contender status and you have some depth to spare, this is a guy who, you know, if God forbid you have an injury late in the season or in a, in a playoff week, or they, they might, might be a plug and play who could be serviceable. Or hopefully, them. hopefully. Because you should have serviceable guys on your bench anyways. Hopefully, this is a guy who becomes a wide receiver too. Very a low-end QB. A legitimate possible starter for you during that time period. Very true. Very true. So, my next guy is, is kind of an interesting case. And I'm curious what you'll think of yeah. that, Lucas. Because when I was looking through these strength of schedule rankings for the rest of the season, just including regular season and playoffs, yep. kind of in totality, like a guy you're going to invest in now to go the rest of the way. For the most part, a lot of teams' offenses are are largely fairly consistent across positions, right? Like, you know, teams either are going to go up against good defenses or they won't. But there's one team that stands out to me as being really, really weird as far as offenses. They're, they've got a really tough strength of schedule as far as their quarterback, wide receiver, and tight end is concerned. Their passing game is going to be going up against it. But their running game faces the third easiest road from here on out. I do like that. Yes. I like that look. It's the Miami Dolphins. Now, there's a lot to unpack here, and we can talk about what this means for the passing game in a bit. But what this means for Raheem Mostert is really, really interesting to me. Because his snap count has, you know, week one, it was Chase Edmonds getting more of the snaps, right? That that since flipped and stayed stable. Um, Mostert, the last three weeks, 69%, 62%, 71% of offensive snaps. He's, He's... the starting running back there, yep, right? He is. When we look at red zone touches, uh, 57% of their red zone rushes have gone to Mostert. So a little bit less than the snap count, but he's still getting touches within the 20-yard line. And again, he's got the third easiest strength of schedule from a running perspective when the passing game's supposed to get harder there. Is he a guy who who you're looking to go after here, given given that dynamic, or are you kind of staying away from the Dolphins' backfield still? Look, I I traded, I went out and traded for Raheem Mostert. I like Mostert. the The biggest concern there is injuries. He's a he's thirty, and he's always been injury prone. My part of my and and I do have him on my team, and I don't have Chase Edmonds, which scares me a lot every single week. Now, so far, it's worked out. I am trying to go out and get Chase Edmonds. That is something that I really want to make sure I have on my team. So that's the only piece of advice I would I would have is for Mostert. You want you you want to have Chase Edmonds there as a backup just in case if if he's someone you're planning on throwing into your starting lineup, which I think he should be if you have him on your team. He's at minimum a solidified RB two going forward. So so then is this maybe more of an argument actually? To go out and get Chase Edmonds, yeah. especially if you're I a mean, master owner, but it, just in general. Yeah. I mean, 100%. You you want them both. If you have one, you want the other one. And now if Monster goes down, will Chase Edmonds produce at the same level? I don't know. But I, I do think because they also have they have someone else there. Is it Sony Michelle? They have no. They have someone else there that is is pretty decent. So if Monster goes down, there might be more of a committee. But Edmonds should spearhead that. You know, we've already seen they've already given him a lot of touches to start the season. I would expect that to continue if Monster were to go down now. Only concerning thing about Monster, when you just look at his playoff schedule, and I should specify that for playoffs, we're looking at weeks 14 through 17. Different playoffs run different times, but that's a pretty standard length, those four weeks. His playoff schedule is the 20th, so it is a little bit harder than average. So that is another concern and thing to keep in mind. But Mostert is definitely a player that you could that that would be worthwhile going to get if you're in one of those better off positions. Or if you're in a, a worse position and just could use a cheaper RB2 because Mostert's exactly. a little bit is going to be on the cheaper end of RB2. The next guy I want to talk about is a wide receiver 
from the Cleveland Browns. Amari Cooper is so you know Amari Cooper is someone that I've kind of seen up to this point and thought he's pretty inconsistent you know some weeks he he seems to pop off other weeks he's a little bit disappointing but overall throughout the course of the season Amari Cooper is wide receiver 12 in PPR format so he right that surprised me too he has overall been good even though he has had some down weeks he has had enough up weeks and most of his weeks have been pretty solid but What I like even more about him, rest of season schedule is the 12th easiest for wide receivers, so a little bit better than average, but his playoff schedule is the second easiest for wide receivers. And what happens week 11? What happens week 11, Eli? I don't know what does happen week 11. Deshaun Watson comes back. Uh And you know what happens when Deshaun Watson comes back? Amari Cooper's value, you would assume would go up. And that's when his schedule also becomes easier. So if I, if my math is adding up there, that means Amari Cooper to the moon. Go out and get Amari Cooper. I already sent offers for Amari Cooper in one of my leagues. I don't I don't know if I'm going to end up making it happen. There's a lot of lot of interest in Amari Cooper right now, probably because people in my league, a lot of them know some of this stuff. But Amari Cooper, I mean, obviously, we all know Deshaun Watson's coming back, you know, and so there you might pay a little bit of a premium just because the Cooper owner is like, oh, he's been good anyways, and Deshaun Watson will make him better. But understanding that his playoff schedule is the second easiest Based on the number, based on the, what the defenses have done up until this point, the second easiest, Amari Cooper is someone that you absolutely need to go get. If if you're a contending team, I think that he's someone who could 100% put you over the top. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the, the Browns are a team that, again, sort of like the Panthers to, to a different degree, are a team that could undergo yep. some evolution that's upside filled as the season goes on. The, the next player I want to talk about is actually one that requires me to own up to a very notable mistake that mm. I made last week in fantasy football. I may be the former champion, but I am a mortal. You are. Former being the keyword. Yes. And, and when, when, when the legendary QB himself, Jalen Hurts, goes on by, you have to make desperate decisions. Desperate, desperate situations call for desperate decisions. It does. And that meant choosing between two... NFC East quarterbacks who are not named Jalen Hurts to or even Dak fair, Prescott. The NFC East has been great this year. It has. So stop, you would, you stop would on that you couldn't go wrong between Taylor Heineke and Daniel Jones. I, you would think. Well, I I, I thought I didn't. Well, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Shane and I were were telling Eli before games even started. When Shane told me, he told me, "Did you know that Eli dropped Daniel Jones for Taylor Heineke?" And I looked at Shane and said, "What?" And Shane's like. Yeah, Eli, and I was like, why? Shane said, Eli said something about Taylor Heineke having more upside. In what world does Taylor Heineke have more upside than Daniel Jones, Eli? In, in the world that was happening Sunday morning when I made that <laughs> roster, roster move, he presented a lot of upside. Uh, it, it was it was a rare, rare miss from a decision-making standpoint. Hmm, I do own up to that, because uh, I believe Daniel Jones was QB2 he, he this week. He put out 28 points yeah. is what he had. Yeah, so. I, think, I think Heineke got me about 15. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was a missed opportunity. Uh, but... I'm not going to make that same mistake again. That's right. I'm on the Daniel Jones bandwagon for at least the next two weeks. Through week 10, Daniel Jones has the fourth easiest strength of schedule. So as far as a guy who give you an immediate boost, who who might be on waivers or, you know, is acquirable. Yeah, there's, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's in that category. He's been running a lot. He's got the fourth, fourth most rushing yards of any QB, right? That, that seems like a fairly safe trend at this point that I think will continue. Uh, then after week 10, from 11 to 15... He's got the uh, the seventeenth easiest strength of schedule, so kind of in that in that QB two tier. I mean, so he's been he's, good this year, and he's got a great offensive mind leading him. Exactly. So, so, so I think he's he's a guy who right now I'm saying 
roster now who's a great bye week fill-in if your QB hasn't already gone on bye, which I think is, is most yep. people at this stage. And then he's a spot start if you need him. If you're in a streaming situation, if you've got a low-end QB right now, look to get Daniel Jones, and then you've got if two Daniel options Jones, every single week if, now. If Daniel Jones is on waivers, he shouldn't be. You know, that's, absolutely. That's, at this that's point, he key. should not be. You, unless you're in like a six-man league, Daniel Jones should be rostered in just about every single league because Daniel Jones, his strength of schedule is phenomenal going forward. He's already been good. You know he's got upside with his legs. He's been using him. He's getting into the end zone on the ground, which is extraordinarily valuable at the quarterback position. And he's got a great strength of schedule going forward. You can't ask for much more. Daniel Jones is is arguably a low in QB1 going forward. He's someone who should be rostered in all situations. No, exactly. I, I really think so. He's attempted, Daniel Jones has attempted 11 rushes this season in the red zone. I have yep. no other numbers to base that off of, but that seems like a pretty good, pretty good amount that, for you know, QB that, here. That sounds pretty solid to me through how many weeks? Uh, that would be, uh, they played eight, eight, eight games? seven weeks, seven, seven games. Weeks, so seven that's, games. that's like well, one and a half attempts here, per game. Here's for reference. Saquon Barkley, the Giants running back, has yeah. attempted 22 rushes in the red zone. Wow. So I, I think a, a two to one half. ratio, that's not what you'd expect from Daniel Jones and the Giants, certainly. Yeah. But something, you, something you might want to buy into. Yep. That's I mean, that that he's going to get more rushing touchdowns. That's one thing that I can guarantee. Sticking on the quarterback trajectory, the young quarterback path. I want to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. And really, I want to touch on two players from the Jaguars, quarterback Trevor Lawrence and wide receiver Christian Kirk. Now, again, quarterback strength of schedule and wide receiver strength of schedule does tend to go at least a little bit hand in hand. Trevor Lawrence, rest of season strength of schedule is the fourth easiest among quarterbacks. His playoff schedule is the 16th easiest. So right, right average. Christian Kirk, rest of season schedule is eighth easiest among wide receivers. And his playoff schedule is also the eighth easiest among wide receivers. This is a stack that might win you some weeks going forward. Trevor Lawrence is already the QB 10. Trevor Lawrence has been, you know, he had a couple down weeks there in the middle. He had 10 points, five points right in the middle. But overall, he has been, he has had a really good season. He's had several weeks north of 20 points, a couple uh, just barely south of 20 points. And you'd hope he's only getting better. Typically, you say that you don't really, you can't really evaluate if a quarterback is going to be good in the NFL or not before his like 30th start. Trevor Lawrence, I mean, what, he's had 20 starts, maybe a little bit over 20 starts. So he's coming up on that threshold, and he seems to be getting better every single week. And Christian Kirk, again, has been spotty, but he's making a lot of money, and he's getting typically a lot of targets. That's a good combination. Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk are two guys who I think could be potential fairly buy-low candidates that, again, could have some league-winning upside for you. Christian Kirk, probably more league-winning upside than Trevor Lawrence at this point, just given position, and that you can probably buy him a little bit lower given some recent down weeks that he's had. But he's, I mean, he showed at the beginning of the season what he can do. Recently, he's again showed what he can do at a spottier level. With how good his strength of schedule is going forward, I expect that number to rise, and I expect him to become an even better option going forward. Absolutely. I I don't think... At the start of the season, you thought we'd be sitting here at this point saying, "Yeah, buy into Jacksonville." Yeah, <laughs> but they're—I mean, they're—you know—they're not—they're—they're they're one of those like not good teams, but fun teams. Yeah. They're teams that can hang in any game and can at any point beat any team. They just can't do it on a regular basis. So that either means they're going to be in a lot of close games, which means passing the ball, or they're going to be maybe blown out. That means garbage time, or maybe they'll blow out a team, but that's probably less likely. No, that's very true. That's very true. Uh, so, so my next player is one that that I do have shares of in in our league, uh, and that I had really high hopes for at the start of the season, and have since just lost all faith in. But now, after looking at these numbers today, I have reason to believe again. 
I'm Dang, believing. See, I, I was I was wanting to trade you for him, so I was kind of questioning on whether I had. Oh Mr. yeah, Lewis. that was that was your mistake. It was my. I'm mistake. all in on him at this point. Good, that man. His shares are going all the what way. What if to I give you Debo Samuel for him? Oh, you've got a deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's that. Darnell Mooney of the Chicago Bears. Again, I, I, Lucas, you were one of the people who, who yep. believed in Mooney. I, I did. Season. I liked it, Darnell it, Mooney. We were we were bamboozled. Yeah. However, his rest of the season schedule is the 14th easiest. It's right? fine. Which is which is not great, right? Not great. Like it definitely could be better. But I think we got to take it. And the only position group on the Bears that has an easier strength of schedule is their tight ends. And Cole Komet is Cole Komet. Like, he's not going away. So I, I, I think there's reason to think that that Mooney can perhaps do a little bit of what we expected him to. Well, I also I think, think I think a lot of that lies in Justin Fields' clear improvements that he's made going forward. I mean, that is also true. You talk about improvements of a quarterback. The guy who has made the most leaps in the league the last month is easily Justin Fields. No, absolutely. He's certainly doing better. I mean, two of Darnell Mooney's three highest weeks have come in the last two weeks. Exactly. And, and, and here's where I actually see the most room for growth besides just getting the ball. In the red zone. Nobody on the Bears has more than two red zone targets. Okay. Nobody does. Um, Equinemius St. Brown has two. Darnell Mooney has two. Dante Pettis has two. Cole Komet has two targets. Right? So we the Bears just haven't been in the red zone enough. What about David enough. Montgomery? Does he not have well, a lot well, of... Well, let's, let's see what he has. Does he have any red zone targets? I mean... Uh, he, he has not been throwing the ball in the red zone. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he, he has... Khalil Herbert's been getting twice as many red zone touches... As Monty. well, that's interesting to know. Yeah, so that, so that actually is an interesting turn. That is interesting to know. Monty's been been more efficient with the touches he's got. Monty has uh, eight attempts for thirty four yards in the red zone. Herbert has fifteen attempts for forty yards in the red zone. Wow, that's but that could be more goal line work where like yardage doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah, right? and that could also be from when I mean I know when the game or two that Herbert started, I think they were yeah a little there, bit more there was that yeah so, so that could be so part of it too. That that may not actually be be that much to to think about, but but again with Mooney, he's got two targets in the red zone. One catch, right? I, I just don't see a scenario where Darnell Mooney doesn't find the end zone at some point this year. Yeah, right. That, that if the Bears he are getting the red zone more often, positive touchdown regression with Justin yeah. Fields getting better, Darnell Mooney's going to find the end zone probably at least two times. Yeah, I, I was gonna I was gonna say I think you could probably say you know you're expecting three maybe four touchdowns the rest of the way, assuming this Bears trajectory continues. I mean, and and you combine that with just in general. I mean, the last four weeks: thirteen point four, seven point two, thirteen point eight, eight point three. Any one of those weeks, he catches a touchdown, and you're saying that's a good week from Darnell yeah. Mooney. Yeah. That's gonna happen a few times. Darnell Mooney is someone who I, I really think you could be able to plug and play at a flex spot going forward. If Justin, uh, particularly if Justin Fields continues to improve like he has been. No, exactly. And, and, and with Mooney, I, I feel a little bit less confident in saying, yeah, go out and get him unless you're like really desperate. But you, but he you is should... someone that if you have him, don't don't drop him. Don't sell him too low. Here. You know, he, I keep his, you know, his his value needs to be again. Decent I, here. I think that going out and getting Darnell Mooney wouldn't be bad again. Like and I, I always turn to this name because this is a guy I'm really trying to sell really hard. Curtis Samuel. The Darnell Mooney owner would ex- would accept Curtis Samuel Samuel for Darnell Mooney, and we'll talk more about the Commanders in the next part when we talk about players we dislike. And but Darnell Mooney has a much easier strength of schedule going forward than Curtis Samuel, and he ho- you would sure hope his quarterback play becomes much better than what Curtis Samuel's has been. And so you know I I think that and Darnell Mooney owners also have the ick. Chances are he's sitting on their bench and he was drafted in a place where he should not be sitting on their bench. Like with you. That being said, I don't think he'll be on your bench that much longer. I, I you know I, I think Darnell Mooney is a great flex candidate because I think he's going to start to get some upside. 
No, absolutely, absolutely. Again, you know, I, I think the Bears are a team that's that's trending up. I, I don't hate buying into Mooney. Um, I, you know, again, it, it's about where you see upside, right? That you want to feel confident. Yeah. No. Look, we, we're we're uh, I'm, I'm gonna we're I'm gonna spend five more minutes on this section, and then we're gonna move on to the next one. The next guy I want to talk about. The only tight end I have on this list, tight end George Kittle, rest of the season. And and George Kittle has already been much improved. And you might think, oh, Christian McCaffrey's there. There are fewer targets to go around. Except George Kittle's rest of season schedule is the number one easiest among tight ends. And his playoff schedule is the number one easiest among tight ends. Both of them. George Kittle's schedule the rest of the way is unbelievably easy for tight ends. And now you might be thinking, oh, well, sometimes it's tough to tell tight end schedules because some teams have strength of schedule because some teams use their tight ends a lot more than others. Their quarterback strength of schedule the rest of the way is also number one. It's, I mean, it's really up there. At the very least, their quarterback schedule in the playoffs is number one. He's going to be used. And the quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, is going to have time to throw the ball, the ability to throw the ball, and George Kittle is going to be open. They're going to use George Kittle. George Kittle's a guy, yes, you're going to have to pay a little bit more, but especially in the tight end wasteland that it is, he could be a sneaky guy to come in the rest of the way and be the top tight end. I mean, we just saw what Mark Andrews did, which was extremely shocking and won me a week. So thank you, Mark Andrews. But that was because the Baltimore Ravens weren't throwing the ball very much. But the 49ers are going to be throwing the ball because they have been throwing the ball. They just got McCaffrey, another weapon catching the ball. Obviously, he's going to run the ball some too. Kyle Shanahan does like to run the ball, but they will be throwing the ball. And the guy they're going to throw the ball to against defenses that are bad against tight ends is one of the best tight ends in the league, George Kittle. He's someone I would I would very comfortably be willing to go out and get and spending a little bit on because I do think he's going to make that much of a difference. No, I, I think that's absolutely right. As far as a, a breakout tight end contender, you know, that's a that's a position where just looking at these strength of schedule numbers, there there isn't frankly a, a ton of upside. No, outside of Kittle, he certainly yep. presents the the biggest possibility. Far and away, no, far and away, he's someone that I again I would be willing to give up assets to go get Kittle. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, the, the player I want to highlight is is kind of a weird one because he's someone who who I actually don't like for a little stretch here, but I love for the playoffs. And that's Jonathan Taylor, right? And you yeah. say, it's Jonathan Taylor. Of course there's upside, right? Like, it, it might be even dumb of us to bring him up here. I don't think but it is. His strength he's of been schedule disappointing. gets very difficult. From about here till the playoffs, he's near the bottom. I, I, I don't have the numbers now, but I think he was about 28th in strength of schedule. So he, he's got a very, he's going to face some very good run defenses coming up soon here. But once he gets to the playoffs, he has the second easiest strength of schedule. For a running back like Jonathan Taylor, you have to think that's almost automatic 20-point weeks, right? Yeah. So he's he's someone who, again, might be a little bit more difficult to acquire, depending on how your Jonathan Taylor owner in your league is, is feeling about him as the season's gone. But he's someone who, if you're if you're saying, yep, I am going to make a championship run, yeah. Jonathan Taylor yeah. has every, every marking of the guy who can be core to that championship 100%. run specifically. 100%. He might not be the guy who will, you know, carry you from – not in the playoffs or questionably in the playoffs, into the playoffs, right? You, that might not be the thing to rely on him for. But if you can get yourself to the playoffs, then yep. Jonathan I am Taylor. I am in a situation right now where I have a horrific team with Jonathan Taylor. And I am really trying everything to sell Jonathan Taylor to get more pieces. Yet people, I, I'm struggling to find the value for Jonathan Taylor I expect he, he should have. And this absolutely proves that Jonathan Taylor should have that value. Because Jonathan Taylor, I mean, he, he's going to be an asset to any championship winning team. It's worth it to go out and spend a low-end RB1 and a wide receiver 2 to get Jonathan Taylor at this point, in my mind. Assuming you have the depth to do that, or flip it, a low-end wide receiver 1 
and an RB2 to get Jonathan Taylor because he's going to... I mean, his playoff schedule is the second easiest. Yeah. You, I mean, you take that every day of the week. There are well, two... What's I up? was going to say, if, if you're someone who's in that situation yeah. where you have Jonathan Taylor but not much else, yeah. again, he's not the guy who's going to carry your team on, on he won't. its back you know, to the playoffs, right? Use use these numbers that we are giving yep. you in your trade talks. Yep. To, trade Jonathan Taylor to the contender in your league who you have no business competing with. Say, you want to win that championship? Here's yep. the second best running back to go do that and get some pieces. I'm like, back to I want to I want to compete, make the playoffs and not get my league's punishment. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Leverage it. Absolutely. 100%. Two more players I want to touch on here. We have technically one minute. We're going to go a little bit over, but what's new? I want to touch on George Pickens, number one. George Pickens' rest of season schedule is the 10th easiest for wide receivers. His playoff schedule is the 6th easiest. He's got Kenny Pickett back, and he's only getting better from here. His target numbers have been extremely solid going forward. And with Kenny Pickett playing, they have been even better. Plus, Kenny Pickett just and, and Pickens just seem to have this phenomenal chemistry where he just seems to catch the balls that Kenny Pickett throws his way. With Kenny Pickett starting... I believe I, I, when when did Kenny Pickett start be, begin starting? Was it week four? That was that was against the Jets, right? So that would be week four. Okay. Since playing with Kenny Pickett, all three weeks that Kenny Pickett has played, George Pickens has had his best three weeks: sixteen point two points, fourteen point three points, eighteen point one points. Target share: eight targets, eight targets, six receptions, six receptions, six targets, six receptions. Whatever Kenny Pickett throws his way, he seems to catch. The upside with George Pickens is phenomenal. You can only expect he and Pickett continue to get better because they are rookies, and so you'd hope that they would get better going forward. They seem to have a great connection. George Pickens is a guy I'm feeling very comfortable going out and getting. No, absolutely. I I think, again, it's about upside, and and some of these rookie cores are just fun to watch. The the Jets, too, are a great example. Shane would would be very happy. I'm I'm sure, you know, everybody who listens to this knows how Shane feels about the Jets' offense, but, you know, seeing those young quarterback-wide receiver combos develop together is is certainly a a fun combo to buy into. Absolutely. And now I'm not saying you're not starting Kenny Pickett at this point. You're not doing that kind of stack. But if he's going to get George Pickens the ball enough, I mean, you, you've you seen some of the catches he makes. You see the touchdown catch he had? Yeah, that was It nuts. was phenomenal. Nuts. Obviously, that one-handed catch was OBJ level. Yeah. A lot of really good catches. And the final guy I want to touch on, running back Tony Pollard. Yes, he's a backup, but he does have some standalone value. Granted, that standalone value comes without a floor just because of the lack of touches he's getting, even though he has tended to be very successful. He's the RB28 and the second option on that team on the season in PPR, RB28. But when you look at strength of schedule, his rest of season schedule is fifth easiest. His playoff schedule is the fifth easiest for running backs. It's going to be the same for Zeke. But I'm not trying to go out and get Zeke because Zeke just has not been nearly as good as Tony Pollard. And if Ezekiel Elliott goes down with an injury, Tony Pollard, especially with the strength of schedule, becomes an immediate top five running back. Would you argue with that, that he's a top five running back? I I really can't. I mean, again, every time we watch the Cowboys here, when when I'll be watching with with Lucas Shane and Jack, you know, we're, we're, we're constantly saying every time we see Pollard touch the ball and Zeke, that Pollard just looks like the better running back. Right, every single time without exactly. fail, and, and, and that's when they're splitting touches here. Yep. So yeah, if there was a situation where Pollard takes over that offense, then yeah, my, my goodness, he, he becomes a an, an and you can get must. him. You can get him for honestly. I'm trading Najee Harris for Tony Pollard straight up right now. That, that's a hot take, but I don't hate it. I yeah, don't. It depends it. on the situation your team is in. It's something I would do in our league where my team is at. Tony Pollard provides upside Najee Harris will never have, which trans which segues into my next section of players that we dislike for the rest of the season. 
And I will start with Najee Harris. And Najee Harris is a really interesting case because the volume is there. He is that 10-point a game RB2 that Jack McGrath, the chemist, loves to talk about. If you can get a good RB1, a 10-point a game guy, you know, that's, that's a plug-and-play, a very steady production, and he is a very steady producer. The problem is I have a team of mediocrity, and on a team of mediocrity that I'm getting 110, 120 points a week, I'll win sometimes, I'll lose sometimes, I'm going to be about 500. Najee Harris, I just, I need upside. Najee Harris doesn't give me that upside. If you're in a position where you can go get a Najee Harris, an extremely safe RB2, if your roster is built up except for that RB2 spot, Najee Harris is a phenomenal, phenomenal guy to plug in there every single week knowing... I'm going to get somewhere between 7 and 15 points from him, and I can guarantee I can lock that number in every single week. He's going to be a consistent low-end RB2, but and his playoff schedule is 6. It sounds like 6th easiest. Now, it sounds like I'm making a case to go out and get Najee Harris, but Najee Harris is someone who his schedule in the immediate future gets extremely difficult. If you're not selling him now, you're going to have to wait at least two, three weeks to sell him because he's going up against the Eagles this next week. He has a bye the week after that. So it's either sell now or hold your peace for a minute. And I'm not in a position where I can hold my peace. I've got to sell. And if it comes down to it, I will do a straight up for Tony Pollard. No, it, it, well, and I think the thing with, with Najee, you have to realize too, you know, in a lot of leagues, trade deadlines are are looming on the horizon. Yeah, They're not they here yet. And so, you know, that that's one to... to Check where your trade deadline is because yep. if you're in a, in a Najee Harris type he situation. Will, it will get worse before it gets better. And Najee Harris is not someone that I want to keep on my roster unless I can afford having that really consistent RB2. He has value. People say he sucks. He doesn't suck. He has value. He just has no ceiling, which is very concerning for a lot of situations. But there is value in that because you can trade him to a contender who is missing that RB2 spot because I know that that is a very common situation and you can sell him to them as a guy who will get them 10 points a game. They can plug and play, lock it in, know exactly what they're going to get from him and feel confident putting in their lineup every single week if they may not have that already. 100%, 100%. The, the first player I want to touch on as a, as a don't like is, is one that's also going to be kind of actually a, a mixed case. Uh, he, he's a bit of actually the, the kind of anti-Jonathan Taylor, the opposite to Jonathan Taylor. Because <laughs> we talked about Jonathan Taylor as the guy who you don't, you know, well, you want him because he's Jonathan Taylor. Yep. But like, is going to, you know, dip between here and the playoffs. And then once he gets the playoffs, yep. is going to really get going. Uh, the opposite of that is Joe Mixon. Uh, Joe Mixon for the rest of the season. So including the playoffs, 10th, 10th strength of schedule. He's got a pretty easy strength of schedule. Uh, between weeks 11 and 15, so those those last couple weeks of the regular season, first couple weeks of the playoffs for most folks, uh, he goes up to the seventh easiest strength of schedule. Um, the, the Bengals offense during that span should be on a tear, by the way. Um, yeah. Fourth easiest I mean, for a QB, first best, best strength of schedule for wide receivers. Yeah. So Bengals are, are, are a group to buy in, but... Mixon specifically is someone who I think if you're looking to squeak into the last spot of your playoffs, that's what you're looking for Joe Mixon there. Because once he hits the playoffs, that strength of schedule goes way down to 22. So it's, it's going to be a lot tougher road for him. Bottom third. Bottom yeah. third among running yeah. backs. Now, now, again, you know, it's Joe Mixon. You still have faith. It's not like he's going to, you know, bottom out. But what I could see happening is that. You know, I, I think his floor is about where Najee's been at, right? I, I think that's pretty fair to say. Yeah. So so come playoffs, you kind of have to prepare more for upside, Nixon. Plenty of more upside. Yeah, you, you plan for Nixon to maybe drop into that 10, 13 point range come playoffs. But in the meantime, I think you're shooting for, you know, 16, 20 points every week. And, yeah. and 
I think you're you're fine to expect that. So uh, the question with Mixon, just the question you have to answer is: Can I afford for? Can I afford that drop off in the playoffs? You know, is that something I'm I'm okay with? And if not, then you're probably going to look to sell. Maybe not now, but you know, after a, a couple more. Again, look when your trade deadline is because that will come up. He eventually. could be a good guy to ditch at the deadline, but just he could be a good guy. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, it could be a good guy where you could maximize value right there. Get some some better pieces back, something that's going to be better for the playoffs, better schedule going forward. I want to touch on another running back. We're talking about a, a lot of running backs, and this is where it was really interesting. Going through players I liked versus disliked, a lot of the players I liked were wide receivers, and a lot of the players I disliked were running backs. That's interesting. That's interesting. It is very interesting. And, you know, I think that goes to, to talk about running backs have just, I mean— it's not been a wonderful a wonderful world for running backs recently. No, it has. I mean, the, the last few years, just kind of in, in general with football, it just, right? But it just depends. This, this fantasy yeah. season, especially. I mean, scoring oh. in general is down 20%. Yeah. And I think that for running backs, it's even worse than wide receivers. It really is. Because Saquon, Saquon RB2 on the He's season? up there, yeah. He's yeah, and, like and I'm a Saquon owner and I've watched a few Giants games. And, and even then, you know, Saquon doesn't look as dominant as he has at other yep. times, right? But yeah, by fantasy standards, he still really has been yeah, a very top Yeah, it was like Jonathan back. Taylor last year was the RB1 yeah. and had the lowest amount of points that an RB1 has had in a really long time. Yeah, it's just, it, it, it validates, this is a, a, a tangent that I'll keep tied close, but I'm all for taking wide receivers in the first round of your yep. fantasy drafts. I've done at least nine running backs the last yep. two years and loved it. Yep. That's an aside. You former, Not a good the time former for champion backs. and you're a contender again. You may I become am. the champion once again. I you am. may be the former champion next year too, instead I, of the I, former I former can champion. It be, can it be like the continued champion, Eli mm-hmm. Hoff? I, we'll I'd see. like I'd like to request a modification. We'll see. If if you win the championship, we can have that. Okay. We can have okay. that. We'll we have, have that, that discussion. We'll, we'll table it for now. But the next running back I want to move on to is a guy who has been on an absolute tear recently. Ramondre Stevenson has been just nuts. And even last week when Damian Harris came back, if you guys watched that game, you knew just how much better Ramondre Stevenson was than Damian Harris. It wasn't close. Ramondre Stevenson had the most targets he's had in the year, most receptions. He caught a ton of balls. So in PPR in particular, that was phenomenal. You look at snap count, Najee Harris had 77% of snaps. Damian Harris, or well, not Najee Harris. Did I say Najee Harris? I, I, there's there's a lot of Harris's. There's too right many now. Harris's. Yeah. Ramondre Stevenson, sorry, had 77% of the snaps. Damian Harris had 17% of the snaps. You know, you even look before that, Ramondre Stevenson's snap count from week two on, even when Damian Harris was healthy, has been higher. And now he's producing at a much higher rate. So that would, you think, oh, that's going to bode well for Ramondre Stevenson, right? Like Ramondre should be someone that that you keep and you plug and play and, and he's going to do good stuff. Except when you look at his strength of schedule, rest of season strength of schedule is the 31st best among running backs, aka the second hardest. His playoff schedule is the third hardest among running backs. You combine that with the fact that he is still in a committee with Damian Harris. Even if it's a two-third, one-third split, Damian Harris is going to pull some touches. And then you have a ton of uncertainty around the quarterback situation. There's just a lot of uncertainty in that team that really, really concerns me. You put that with his terrible strength of schedule. Ramondre Stevenson is a guy, you could sell him very high right now. You can sell him as as an RB1 right now. So go sell him as an RB1 because I do not like what that strength of schedule is looking like going forward. No, no, I think you're you're right on it. And just having you know watched the the Patriots on Monday night, that just doesn't seem like a team that 
Yeah, it screams. Yeah, let's let's buy into this. Yeah, and actually, that, I, I want to stay in in that division to to talk about the Dolphins because I, I alluded to this earlier, talking about their running game, but their passing game here is going to get quite the test. Which is very, uh, and they've had like one of the best passing games in the league. They have, they have, and, and so that's where I want to ask. We yeah, look that's at a good question. Rest of season in total, uh, Tua will face the. 30th strength of, strength of schedule. I really cannot say that term. Uh, it's it's the third hardest from here on out. Uh, in the playoffs, it's the second hardest. Uh, Dolphins wide receivers the rest of the way. Second hardest. Once they get to the playoffs, it gets a little easier. It's 26th easiest, so that's like seventh hardest or something. Yeah. You know, but but uh, you know, bottom and then bottom tier matchups the rest of the way here. Yeah. But you look at the personnel. Yeah. And it's it's two uh, who who I think we still need to see what you know. Back from from brain damage, to what is going to look like? Um, he was okay. Yeah, and, and, and I didn't watch very last week, so, okay. So. That, that offense was extremely stagnant at times. And, and Thankfully, they were playing the Steelers, whose offense is well also quite stagnant. That so. is, yeah, but but the Dolphins may not be able to to get that benefit of the doubt. And again, if there's a wide receiver duo who you trust to be able to break tough matchups, right? It's probably Waddle and Tyreek. They're certainly yeah. in that in that tier that you would trust, but. Does that, does your trust waver at all, or is this just not phase you? I'm I'm not someone who has shares of the Dolphins' offense. I don't know how many you have. Either. I don't have many. It concerns me. The one person that I'm the one the one guy that I think is is as safe as it gets is Tyreek Hill. Yeah, Tyreek has had two touchdowns this year and is sitting at wide receiver three. He's sitting at wide receiver three in PPR, and he has two total touchdowns on the season. Now, Jalen Waddle, on the other hand, has been very hit or miss on target share. So he's had weeks of four, five. He's had three weeks of five targets and only two weeks of double-digit targets, which is quite concerning. Jalen Waddle is currently sitting at wide receiver seven in PPR format. Somehow, it's and it's all due to his 40-point week that he had week two, where he had 19 targets and two touchdowns. Jalen Waddle is someone that, in all honesty, I'm selling. I don't. I'll keep Tyreek. Tua, I still think there's plenty of upside given the talent he has around him. He's not going to need to do a whole lot. But Tyreek or but but Waddle is someone that I would go out and sell at this point. I just don't see the upside with with him there. I I mean, there's obviously upside. I don't see the floor with him given the tough schedule coming up and all the other playmakers in that offense. So I I, I want to actually keep unpacking the Dolphins passing game for yeah. a moment. I'm gonna we're gonna play a little trivia game. Oh, I do like trivia. All right. I'm not very so, good at it, though. I no, I, and, and this is this is a, a Eli trick is, question. Though. He almost was on Jeopardy one time. It, it is it is true. It is true. So I, I'd like you to guess. So Mike Isicki has it. the most red zone targets on the Dolphins. Got it. Seven targets, six catches, three touchdowns, and that just as many horrible gradies. Got it. Who on the Dolphins do you think has the next most red zone reception? River Craycraft. Oh, that was a that was a, a good guess. But Is it not really? that good of a guess? No, no, no. It's Trent Sherfield. Oh, okay. Who has four targets, three. That's catches. why I was I was I was thinking you were saying it was tough. So I was thinking yeah. of there's I played like a we played a weekly thing like on underdog, on underdog which is a underdog. great time to talk about underdog fantasy football. If you don't have underdog, you can play daily fantasy football content just like Eli and I did and get to know the guys on the bottom of some team's depth chart when you're it make it makes watching the Dolphin Steelers very entertaining. It, it, it's honestly it's it's the perfect Thursday it night. It is no. Stakes, get yep. that. I also will say, uh, Lucas Shane and I did a little, a little basketball three-person draft over the weekend. I want it. Not yeah, Lucas, did a, a lot of fun. Except 
Well, we shouldn't get too much into basketball, but Devin Booker did just enough to make me lose in regular fantasy basketball, but not enough to let me catch up to Lucas and the underdog. So it gives you all those fun. All so those Eli fun is not a fan of Devin Booker uh, no, can, at the moment. You can do moment. all that stuff if you're not if you're in one of the 35 states that allows sports gambling. You can also do pickums, which is another element. Our state unfortunately does not allow that, so we can't quite do it yet. Though it is only a matter of time in the entire United States that that becomes a thing. But these daily these daily games are a ton of fun. It's a great way. To put a little, I mean, you can just put three bucks down, right? You're you really you're, you're yeah. not really risking anything, and it can put a little bit of bet on that Monday night football game that you want to enjoy watching. But when it's the Broncos versus the anybody, the Commanders, yeah. like oh. it's a terrible game. Exactly, and, and you know, but but putting a little bit of money on it and getting to know some of the guys that are lower on, and so that in trivia games you can be guessing River Craycraft. I would have okay. never known who River Craycraft was, no. except I drafted him and he got me zero points. Exactly, and it's so. it's code FF Lab. <laughs> FF Lab. A, is it a ten dollars match? What's the, what's no, the no, no. There? It's up. It's a. It's a match up to hundred dollars. Up to hundred dollars. First hundred dollars that you deposit, they'll match it. There you go. There you go. Uh, a good easy way to uh, to get some some fun. Absolutely. Football Washington. So back to back to the trip. You'd here. expect so. that some of that some of that those target numbers for people not named Sherfield Shur- was it Sherfield? Yeah, Trent Sherfield would yep. go up. You would, you would. So Jalen Waddle has four red zone targets, Got two it. catches. Uh, Tyreek Hill has only one red zone target, wow. which is interesting. He doesn't that need them. Obviously. Like if there's one wide receiver out there <laughs> who does not need red zone targets, it's probably Tyreek Hill, right? Yep. But but that's interesting. However, this does make me actually wonder how much of a buy Gesicki is because his strength of schedule, you know, his tight end matchups are better than what the rest of the Dolphins' passing game goes. It is. So there, there might be a bit of logic here that says it's going to get harder for Tyreek and Waddle. But relatively speaking, Gesicki's stock might go up. You're coming know. off You're coming off Gesicki's two far and away best target weeks. Seven targets, seven targets the last two weeks. Coming into the season, there was a lot of talk by that coaching staff that they did not like Mike Gesicki for some reason, even though he has been extremely good in the league. So there was a lot of concern. But in the last two weeks, Gesicki has been much uh, a much heavier part of that game plan. And as we've talked about, the strength of schedule for him is easier than the rest of those positions. It, and it, he's not much. Getting, it's, it's still not great. We should yeah. be clear. It's still not great. But he's also getting the most red zone targets by a mile. If you're, I mean, again, like he could be someone who is a, 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 a tight end going forward that um, is used a little bit more. And if he gets a touchdown, he has a great week. You know, one of those guys. So that's that's kind of where, where I'd put him. But for the most part, Dolphins offense does does concern me quite a bit. Next guy I want to talk about, I want to head back to the New England Patriots. Wide receiver Jacoby Myers really concerns me going forward. I, you know, I owned Jacoby Myers for a while, uh, and then I sold him for something else, and I don't fully remember what it was. But I don't regret selling him because, again, I've talked about that quarterback room. That quarterback room concerns me a lot. There is no way that switching between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi over and over and over and over again, like it seems like the Patriots are just set on doing going forward based on who's got the hot hand for that second, which is very concerning. There is no way that that benefits Jacoby Myers. And you combine that with what his rest of season strength of schedule is. It is third hardest among wide receivers in the league. Playoff schedule is 22nd easiest. So that would be 11th hardest. So still bottom third. Jacoby Myers concerns me quite a bit. And he's someone who has seen his target share go down since the beginning of the season as well. His target share has been extremely inconsistent. Most recently, he salvaged it with that long touchdown. But Jacoby Myers is coming off a two-target game. He has one game of double-digit targets, 
three games above five targets. And his last two weeks, he has had less than five targets, two targets this past game. Like I just said, I'm very concerned. You look at his numbers, every single game he's played, he's dropped double digit points. If you're talking about a guy who you could probably possibly sell high on now. And again, like high for Jacoby Myers is probably relative. Jacoby Myers is someone I was excited about, but with what's going on with that New England Patriots offense, how difficult his schedule is going forward. He's a guy I'm not loving on my team at this point. I'm concerned that he gets worse going forward. He's someone who I think might be at a sell high point right now. Here's my question on Jacoby Myers, yeah. though. How, how much interest would there even be in buying him if you're if you're looking to sell him? Because anybody who watched that Monday Night Football game, I don't think is going to be particularly prone to it's it. it's all based on the numbers. I mean that, and that's kind of the thing. Like you 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 point to his fantasy output and. It's good. Like his the, the the amount of points he's dropped every single time he's touched the field have been good. And that's where I convinced the person who I traded him to who originally laughed at me. I was like, look at his numbers. His numbers are good. And that's where it's like you point to that. You say, look, even through all this stuff, he has found ways to produce. You know, hopefully you can trust that going forward. I, I do think there is a market for Jacoby Myers. I think that that value is probably wide receiver three, you know, which is a, a starting wide receiver on a team. So I, I do think there's value of him as a, a possible more than a throw-in, like a, like a two-for-one to go out and get a big piece. I think Jacoby Myers could be the lesser of those two in that deal. We're out of time, which is unfortunate, but that is normal. One more thing I want to talk about, and that's the commander's offense. I've alluded to it. It has been bad, and it, the strength of schedule only gets harder. Rest of season schedule, quarterback, 28th, the most easiest, so fourth most difficult. Running back, 23rd easiest, ninth most difficult. And wide receiver, 27th easiest, fifth most difficult playoff schedule doesn't get any better than that. In fact, quarterback becomes the hardest of any possible one. And that quarterback play has already been bad. Sell them. Sell all your commanders players. I don't want a single commanders player on my team. I don't want Terry McLaurin. I don't want Curtis Samuel. I don't want Brian Robinson. I don't want Antonio Gibson. I don't want anybody. Who do you want? I'm going to make a case here. For what? For Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas is hurt. I would like to no longer make a case for Logan. Is he is he done for the I don't, year? I don't know. If I definitely done. have him in one league. This is very concerning knowledge. He's, he's, no, he's questionable right now. Okay. He is not done. Okay, for that's good because okay because that would have sent some panic in me. He has so three missed games and three weeks of no practice. Okay, so if slash when slash big if Logan Thomas comes back, Washington tight ends have the eleventh easiest route the rest of the way. Right, that's better than Zach Ertz and the Cardinals. That's better than Pratt Fryer and we send the Steelers. Uh, that's that's better than a lot of teams. That's better than Dawson Knox if you still have him in the Bills. Uh, let's see who else here. It's better than Tunyon and the Packers. That's way better than Kyle Pitts and the Falcons. That's a player I don't like, by the way. Kyle Pitts, the rest. Of yeah, the well, I think the Falcons don't throw the ball enough for him or Drake London or anybody. Well, the, the wide receiver, wide receiver strength and schedule looks all right for them. Yeah, but uh, they don't throw the ball. No, no. So perhaps, perhaps that's why because they'll just stop covering the wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bold prediction from the analytics there. <laughs> analytics say. 12 or 11 rushers. <laughs> That's uh, you've heard of engage eight. I present to you uh, engage 11. It still works. <laughs> Oh, that's pretty funny. Well, Eli, thank you for making that really dumb. Ca- I'm just kidding. It was, it was, it was a very, a very smart case. I think there is absolutely a case for Logan Thomas, assuming, and this is a big if, he can stay on the field, which so far he has not been able to do. But, you know, there are plenty of players we didn't get to, but oh well. C'est la vie. That's normal for here at the Fantasy Football Laboratory. That's going to do it for us here at the Fantasy Football Laboratory. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. 
Again, I want to remind you, join Underdog Fantasy. Use code FFLAB to get your first $100 up to $100 deposit matched. And make sure you join our chalkboard. It is basically Slack or Discord, that, that type of app, except for sports. It is a really, really cool app. It is specifically for sports. You can check on scores in the app. It has links to our podcast. It has links to a whole bunch of really cool sports things all in that one app. It is a phenomenal way to talk sports. If you want help on Sunday morning, Thursday mornings, Monday mornings, all that stuff before those games, that is the best place to reach us. We're in there monitoring it before the game time. We're looking to answer your questions there or on Twitter at FF Laboratory for the former champion Eli Hoff. I'm Spitfire Lucas Parrish. Have a great day.